If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. I had the pleasure of interviewing Anne Heche earlier this year. I and everyone at the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast are deeply saddened to hear of her passing last week. Besides a career in Hollywood that most could only dream of, having starred in some of the most iconic TV and film of all time, she was an actress whose craft had been perfected to the nth degree. During this interview, she was so gracious with her time. She was kind, open, honest, forthright, a bright light, and so very full of life, a trailblazer. I hope that by listening to this chat, you're able to get a glimpse into what a remarkable woman she was. Having spoken to her for just this hour, I sure did. We released this episode today as a tribute to the life of Anne Hage. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet robe. Let's just get right into it today. I mean, come on. We are joined by actress, best-selling author, director, star of the stage, the small screen, film, activist, icon in the flesh, and now we can say podcast host, Miss, yes. I should say co-host, Miss Anne Hayes. Hi there. Hi. Whoop, whoop. What are you doing here? How are you? Thank you so much for asking me to be on your show. I just want to say uh, for you to be here on this show, I am very, very excited. You celebrate life. You celebrate me, my new things that I am here to um, play with my experiment of my podcast arena better together with Ann and Heather. And I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled for that, for that celebration and the connection with you. So thank you for having me on. Well, I really, really appreciate you doing this. And yeah, I mean, you are now the co-host of the wildly popular better together with your friend, Heather. Yes. I noticed it's funny because I've listened to some episodes. We've, you know, I love your podcast. It's because I've had some of the same guests on as you. So I love listening to, you know, just to hear how it's just so different, you know? And is, it fun, is it fun the different ways the different people interview others? It I is. And I purposely never listen. You know, like if I listened, I listen. But if I'm looking for something, I don't like to listen until after I interview the person just because like, I don't want it to like skew, how would I say? And then, and then afterwards I go back and listen. And then I'm like, such a, I just listened to your Perez Hilton interview. So good. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. So I want to talk all about your podcast better together, but before we get there, I want to say, you know, you first started in the business in 1987 on oh another goodness. world. Yes, that's true. Right after I graduated, I left the day after I graduated high school to go to New York. I mean, does that seem like yesterday or does that seem like who is that woman another lifetime ago? 
It's funny. I, I I feel very connected to Vicki Marley. And I think that's because one, it was how I started my career. I, my life was saved by being, by being discovered in a high school play, which is one of my most miraculous stories that I was seen in a high school play and asked to audition for a soap opera. And then I did. And I was honored to be able to play twins for two, for, you know, for four years of my life, uh, leaving the day after I graduated high school, which really was the beginning of my life. And I think that's probably why it feels so, so close to me because it was my life savior and it got me, um, the opportunity to be able to learn how to act without going to uh, going to school for it, really. Um, soap operas are one of the greatest ways to train yourself because really on soaps, you're doing an hour of television a day, which is an extraordinary amount of television. And my characters were in half of each story. So I was basically doing an hour of television a day. But the fun of that is that the characters had such a, an emotional uh, connection to the viewers because I was in their house every day. So Vicky and Marley are close to me because I have such close fans because of, um, because of, because of that show. And it started my career. So I'm very, very grateful for it. Well, and you won a daytime Emmy in two. I so, did. So that's not a bad way to start out. No, although when I won my daytime, I mean, and sometimes people don't know this, I was going to go to architecture school. I was going to go to the new school. It's like, you know what? I'm, this was my high school. This was, I went to high school. This was my college. Now I'm going to do something that I can actually really count on. Right. And everybody on the soap opera just laughed their asses off at me. Like, if you're not an actress, we don't know what, you know what I mean? Well, I fortunately got a job with Jessica Lang called O Pioneers two weeks before I was supposed to go to architecture school. And while I was in Nebraska shooting O Pioneers, I was sitting at a Motel 6 eating a cheeseburger, watching the Emmys that I was nominated for. And I got the Emmy and it was so amazing because I'm sitting on my bed with the cheeseburger and I was like, and I hear them say, well, Anne Hage can't be there because she's shooting a movie with Jessica Lang. And I was like, Oh my God, I just won an Emmy. Does this mean I'm an actress? <laughs> and it was. So I moved to, uh, I moved to LA. It changed my life winning that Emmy because otherwise I would be, an, uh, you know, an architect student. I would maybe be building your studio for you. Wow. Well, I mean, you know, it's such a hard business. Like there's so much self-doubt and rejection. And I mean, did you have that, you know, like, did you go oh. through those insecure moments of like, I don't know if I can do this or like you won the Emmy and you're like, all right, I can do this. Hell no. I got a waitressing job two weeks after I got my job on the soap opera because I was like, they're going to fire me. There's something on a soap opera that is amazing. The soaps can fire you after three months of any time. They can fire you three months as you, all your increments are. But for a uh, soap opera, for me, I had been there for two weeks and I thought they're going to find me out. So I went and got a waitressing job and it was only when I was carrying trays and it was on a pretty nice thing. I was carrying a tray of waters and someone recognized me. The waters went crashing and they're like, you're on a soap opera. And meanwhile, I'm waitressing with all of these people who are, you know, actors wanting to be actors. And they're like, what? You, you're on a soap opera, get out of here. And it got very difficult to juggle both. You have a waitressing job? That's why you want to get off the set so you can go set up your tables? Are you crazy? 
So it was a very, I've always doubted it. And of course, coming to LA and, and, you know, soap operas weren't the thing that people necessarily considered the greatest pathway to getting on, you know, bigger TV shows or movies or anything else. There's a lot of judgment about soap actors. And I was like, well, I'm just going to break those down. I was like, that's how I got trained. This is who I am. I love what I've done. And here we go. Let's audition. But building that confidence, are you kidding? I still have it. I auditioned for something yesterday. I still am auditioning. I'm still fighting for jobs. And and it's one of the things that uh, will ever follow an actor. Like, oh, my God, am I going to get it? Am I good enough? Am I right enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I fat enough? Am I strong enough? All of those things still follow with me. But, you know, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty good at what I do. (laughs) You are very, you're not pretty good at what you do. You're very good at what you do. You've been in just so many movies you've worked with everyone listen you're busy you have this podcast would you ever go back to a soap opera if something was just handed to you oh my goodness sakes are you kidding I would love it first of all I think soaps are the when I say the best way to train there's something about soaps that's taught me spontaneity because in soap operas because you're doing so much if you get the lines right they move on which means like, great, she did it. I have four cameras on it, whatever, however she acted it, who cares? She said the lines, move on. And that gave me an incredible um, conscious thought about what acting is. Like, wow, if I kind of stay in the minute, if I kind of do what I'm doing, if I kind of go with the flow, people like it. And they began to embrace the spontaneity of both of my characters. And, and, it, and it really did. I, so when I go back on a soap, any day. I would love for a soap to ask me to come back on. I think it would be a blast. I could do a run as Vicki Marley, who they are now. Ha, that's a good idea. That's <laughs> There's a, more another world, unfortunately. <laughs> that's well, you know, maybe she could, you know, appear in Port Charles and we could have some general hospital action. See that? See what I'm saying? Listen, have your people are you call a soap my people. Fan? I am. I am. I mean, not really now. Like I grew up on soaps and I am a fan. Listen, I'm a fan of like reality TV. And it's just, I yeah. think that I understand soap fans. Like they are rabid, loyal yeah. to the core. Yes. Fans. And they're so friendly. I mean, it really is about having family, whether or not, now I, I, I would say like, I mean, I, I was the voice in the background of every woman cleaning her house, every grandmother who had to look after the kids after they came home from school. A lot of my fans are the grandkids of the grandmothers who had on their stories, right? And would have to babysit the kids while their parents were working. So I was the voice to a lot of that younger generation of the grandmothers who were actually my fans. And I hung out with them when they were doing their homework. Basically, they heard me talking while they were doing their homework. They're like, I recognize that voice. Yeah, totally. Well, people say they can hear me two miles away. What about, you know, you've been in so many movies, you've worked with so many people. Do you have like a movie that was just like your favorite experience, you know, just from like the shooting was easy or not easy, but it just all the stars aligned. I'll admit it. As important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. 
They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. You know, two weeks ago, I told you guys about how I sent Dame products to all of my housewife friends, and they've been raving about Dame products and thanking me and and giving me way too much detail. And now you guys have flooded my DMs asking which housewives specifically have been thanking me and how much they love Dame products. Well, listen, you're all a bunch of shady bitches because I am not going to tell you which housewives I sent Dame products to and which ones are thanking me profusely. Because, you know, Dame products are female vibrators designed for, you know, a woman's pleasure. So no, I'm not going to give you names. But what I will tell you is there are so many different options. There's the Evo, which is a wearable couples vibrator for hands-free fun. There's the Air, which stimulates you so fast and helps get you there. There's the Palm, which you could hold in the palm of your hands for your pleasure. Look, life is really stressful, really stressful. And Dame is here to kind of increase the quality of your life. Who doesn't want a little fun, right? They have massage oils and lubes. So what are you waiting for? Don't you want to feel good too? Come on, ladies. Go to dameproducts.com. Use code VELVETROPE to take 15% off your first order site-wide. You could choose anything. That's dameproducts.com. Enter code VELVETROPE and you get 15% off. You know, everyone always asks me like how I deal with the internet trolls, like all the listeners who have something to say about the housewives and leave negative comments all day on Instagram. Listen, I have to tell you, I'm really serious when I say that the comments don't bother me at all. And the only reason why is because I've worked on my mental health. I mean, Mental and physical health, there's really nothing more important because when you work on yourself and you have that clear mind, nothing can bother you. You're comfortable. You're happy inside. And the long-term effects of therapy and working on your mental health really can help strengthen your relationships and give you a more positive outlook on life. And for my mental health, I've turned to Talkspace because, listen, first of all, it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. But really, I love that I can reach out to my therapist and get my therapy and work on myself from anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait for an appointment or go into an office. And their licensed therapists are trained to handle just a variety of specialties. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. Well, it is very difficult for me to say that there isn't a more favorite movie of mine, The Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford. It is... Uh, you know, he's the dream boat to probably, I don't know how many generations of women certainly think that he is, would be the apple of their eye, but also men love Harrison Ford and to look up to him and he's the strong one. He's the sexy one. He's the dude that they all want to be. So it's very difficult for me to not have that be my favorite film. He and I got along so well. We loved working with each other and plus it was a romantic comedy. And although I've done some amazing dramas and I've done some incredible, you know, even horror movies that I call horrible movies, that romantic comedy is really my sweet spot for how I like to act and how playful I am and, and bringing, you know, maybe my, my sensitivity 
to uh, situations in my past and, and making them humorous. I, it, you know, that, that movie really played in my, that's kind of my sweet spot. That's where I like to live in romantic comedy. I love it. That was such a good movie. <laughs> what about, is there a movie that you look back and you're like, you know, I wish I didn't make this one. A bunch. <laughs> I, I don't remember their names. No, it really is true. I, you know, I went through, I was blacklisted from Hollywood. I went through a very difficult time um, not doing studio movies after I took Ellen to the premiere of Volcano. And I, and, you know, kind of aiming toward uh, being able to be back in studio pictures. It was a very confusing time for me. It took 10 years for me to be, uh, get Cedar Rapids, be, be able to be back in the studio system again. And um, during that time, I, I bless Lifetime. I do. I, I bless Hallmark Hall of Fame. These, these companies kept food on my table and kept me working and doing the thing that I love to do. Were they all the best movies? Um, do I, not all of them, <laughs> not all of them, but again, the opportunity to be an actress and be able to make your living doing that is not always, it's, it's not the easiest thing. So I'm very grateful for those movies. And Sometimes you have to do the bad ones in order to train you to understand better what your timing is. You know, I always take everything as a gift. So, you know, I took that 10 years as a gift and learned, learned a lot. Wrote, directed, saw cast a certain way, you know, uh, different areas of uh, my life got explored during those during that time. And then when you finally got that big film again, like Cedar, was that just like hallelujah? It was, uh, Miguel Arteta directed that, and um, I had to audition, as I st still do, which, do anybody, it's, it's kind of a funny thing that I have to audition for movies, you know, you start off as a Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones, you're like, I think I'm okay at this, but um, no, I still fight, I, I still fight very hard uh, to, to, uh, to get jobs. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about your career and about your podcast-specific episodes, but on the note of that, that 10 years, I mean, is it lost on you that, you know, now we're in this world of cancel culture and you were kind of canceled before? Well, Heather, my podcast partner, tells, says that I was the original canceled. I mean, and it came from a place that was the number one thing that I wanted in my life. I wanted to stand up for love. I felt that if people could tell the truth about who they are, that they really deserve to be in a love society that was gender free. Whether or not that meant uh, the, what that did was have a colossal effect on my life for stating that. And what I'm grateful for is that we've come further in terms of where we see gender uh, as, it, as it deals with love relationships and having people be able to be more conscious thinking about how to treat others who don't necessarily have the same opinions we do about them. And for me, um, was the, the trade-off, I, I would pick my route any day of the week. I am so proud of, of being a part of moving that needle uh, a bit forward. But yes, I was, uh, I was the original cancel. And then I, I, I was the original uncanceled because I uncanceled myself on our podcast the other day. I was like, well, canceled. Why? Who me? Why? Because you said so. I don't think so. Let's uncancel ourselves. You did uncancel yourself. Yes. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying the uh, uncanceled life. You I did. did. You I did. did. <laughs> that was a good, I listened to that. Listen, did everyone. Everyone that's listening, listen, they should listen to every episode of your podcast, but you know, episode of uh, Better Together, where you talk about Ellen is, there's just, there's a lot that, see, I always love a podcast where like, I can say, wow, 
I really, I mean, I was around, I remember a story, but I did not know half of what I learned. So I think everyone listening to this needs to go and listen to that. Thank you. Thank you for that. It was, it was, a, it was a big moment for me. I've been very uh, quiet talking about Ellen and, and um, rightfully so. I have a lot of respect for human beings and um, my opinion was not what I thought I wanted to share. What I wanted to share was my understanding that we were looking at the wrong thing going into that part of our lives. We were looking at, at what people thought about other people rather than why we were why we were in a situation where we were doing anything to squelch the idea of more love for all of us on this planet. And, and that really became the journey of my life, studying that and, and, and uh, trying to understand the significance of why we treat people the way that we do and how we can start to try to alleviate that through a little bit of study, a little bit of practice. And that's what I've, I've, I've made my life, a real study of this, this opportunity we have called love and how we can help each other feel it more. What do you feel now about the world? You know, like, look, I mean, we've come, we have, you know, non-binary, the trans movement, like Pose. I don't know if you watched Pose. It was one of the best things I've ever seen on TV. Pose, Ryan Murphy's Pose was phenomenal. Like it was- Well, you know what? I haven't, I'm uh, now watching another one of his shows. Um, No, I do want, I want to see that. And you know, the whole like people are out as non-binary now. I mean, whether you love her or hate her, Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, she is a public figure that even if you're in middle America, like, you know, Caitlyn Jenner, even though you don't know. So Demi Lovato, Demi Lovato Lovato has come out as non-binary. I think it's a very interesting situation. And again, what what, what we look at, what my focus is, one, I am in anybody who wants to label themselves, anything that makes them feel comfortable is their right in their place. What I am curious about is why there are so many kids who would like to turn themselves into a pronoun rather than be in the embodiment of where they were born. Where we are born is and supposed to be the safest and and nurturing atmosphere to become our most excellent. And our children aren't feeling that. Why are they identifying for, for a community that they feel safe in that is not of where they were born and why is that more meaningful? So for my study and what I look, why are our kids doing that? And that goes back to the responsibility of how they were being raised. Why are they not feeling safe in their most excellent power and their most gorgeous selves within the family they were born into? I call that the last name story. I think a lot of people are, are defining themselves outside of their last name story and identifying in the first name story. Our last name story is the thing we don't have a choice about. I can't do, I can never not be a H. I was born into that cult and I got myself out. Anne is the name that I choose. My name and things that I put around that, my own definitions, is the journey, I think, of maturity and coming into my adulthood. I would like to encourage that understanding, that language for kids. I think the I think there is a process that people are going through. One, feeling the freedom of the outrageous, incredible breath they have to take outside of the world that they were brought into. But I also want to look at the world we, we bring them into that they feel they need to escape from. And it has to be because things went in that didn't feel good to them. And that's the mission that I want to look at. Why are we allowing our children not to feel good about where they're raised? My morning run at 5.30 has never been so easy because I wear men's tree flyers from Allbirds. They are literally the most comfortable shoe I have ever worn in my entire life. And that is why for all the housewives' birthdays this summer, the one thing I've gotten them is Allbirds Tree Breezer Flats. The Tree Breezer Flat from Allbirds, it's breathable, it's super supportive, 
and it's as comfortable as any shoe you've ever had. Probably the most comfortable. Now what I love about the Tree Breezer Flat is they come in so many colors. Can you imagine if I got all these housewives the exact same color of the women's Tree Breezer Flat from Allbirds? Yeah, they would show up and they'd be wearing the same shoe. It wouldn't go over well. They come in a cream, they come in a yellow, they come in an orange, they come in a mauve, black, so many options. And again, it's the summer, we're all outside, we're walking, we want a shoe that's comfortable. And that is what the Tree Breezer Flat is from Allbirds. So listen, lightweight, breathable, and cushy all day, the Tree Breezer is your secret to a comfy summer. Find your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. I don't want to tell you guys about So Lean So Clean just because it's a great tasting plant-based protein powder. I want to tell you about So Lean So Clean by Aura Organics because it's actually working for me. I've been using it for a few months now and it's not just that I feel so clean and like revitalized and healthy. I don't know. Ego aside, I'm looking kind of lean these days. So I mean, I'm going to stick with this. Now, of course, you could use this protein powder all day, any day for smoothies and snacks. I personally use it after a workout. I love that it has 21 grams of protein, only one to four grams of carbs. How great is that? And zero grams of sugar. Those stats are just so freaking awesome. And I mean, look, there's a lot of different flavors. I've told you guys about this before. The chocolate's great. The vanilla is great. But oh my God, the vanilla chai is delicious. Delicious. But don't take my word for it. They have over 10,000 five star reviews from online happy customers. And listen, you have nothing to lose. You can try Aura's products and if you're not happy for any reason within 60 days, you get a full refund, no questions asked. Get 30% off your first subscription when you text ROPE to 64000. Text ROPE to 64000 and get 30% off your first subscription. That's R-O-P-E to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. Terms apply. Available at Aura Organic slash terms. And, uh, and however, these definitions are the things. I'm not unstable anymore. Um, but I want. I want For me, when I when I when I think about all of the generation that is going through that that change within themselves, um, I look at the generation before and go, well, "How are we parenting, and why aren't we loving enough?" That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. But we're doing it so people feel safe. So both are good. Both are good things to look at. Let's celebrate the things that make us feel good. Let's also have the identification of our intelligence enough to understand that we wouldn't be trying to get away from something if it felt so good to us. So let's parent better. Right. Like you wouldn't need one if the other wasn't. That's exactly correct. If you came into the heaven that you wanted to be living in within your family and you got supported for your who you love, what it is you look like, how you identify yourself and everything else, we wouldn't have a movement that say, I have to get away from that. So like making people feel bad. That's my new movement. Make people feel good. You know what? They're going to feel good. <laughs> it's a very simple equation. So when all, so when there's all these labels and people like Demi Lovato and like, what do you think it's just too many labels? Like, no, I don't think it's too many labels. I think it's an identification of a label that makes sense to these individuals. And that that's the place that they feel safe. I, one one of the things I talk about in my book, Call Me Crazy, is is our ability, you know, we can't get two cups of insanity in and only take one cup out. 
We take in all of the information, everything that we're given. We have no choice. We, we, we absorb that and take that in. Taking that out, identifying what that is and letting that go is to me the process of what we're seeing with all of these labels. I feel this as my insanity is coming out, as those things that aren't feeling good to me are coming out, I'm releasing them and attaching to something that makes me feel good. So I see that as a celebration and a stepping process to, to your own identity and fulfillment. However, I don't feel that if we were doing our job as community, as congregation, as family, and as friends, that we would need so much disengagement all of the courageous people who are coming out and saying, I can identify whoever I am, it is facing the community that they grew up in. And, and whether or not we are looking at that community and looking for their change, that's where I want to look for change. Non-separation, community, identification of all. We've got a long way to go, but these people who are standing up and helping us understand, give us more, more empowerment of our bodies and of our communities. It's up to us to say yes, to support them. That makes sense to me. What about, I mean, you I live, try to make sense. <laughs> you do. No, you do. Listen, I read your book, Call Me Crazy, which I have a question about in a second. Thank you. Going back to this episode, you know, what about Hollywood? Because I, one of the stories that stood out to me was the story you told about when you were on the Rosie O'Donnell show. And she, you know, like you said, yeah. like, David Letterman doesn't come in your dressing room. That's not how it works. You said Rosie on your podcast came in your dressing room and was like, don't mention Ellen. Don't mention being gay. Don't mention gay love. That was all what? So that she could remain closeted? Yes, of course. Wow. That's so funny. You're like, what? So she could remain closeted and your face went. Well, I mean. (laughs) It's a shocking thing to remember. And Heather reminds me of this, you know, at that time there was gay or straight. So that was the conundrum and confusion around me. Like, what do you mean you can choose, right? But on the other hand, the lack of support that was going on around anybody that was gay was illegal. I mean, can you believe that it was illegal? Like that's an unheard of thing. You tell the generation now, we tell our children, they're like, what are you talking about? You, what? And that, by the way, is one of my greatest badges of honor that I helped with that but our consciousness now doesn't really have an idea of how to wrap our heads around how much fear there was in, 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 in the celebrities. That's why Ellen deserves the position she deserves. She took that, that stance and stepped forward and took on the battle. She did not have warriors on her side. Other than me, we were, you know, we were pretty much, you know, we were the one-two punch. We were each other's army. And that, you know, I know has been erased from (laughs) history, as we said, but my participation in that. But it was true. She didn't have a lot of people standing up for her or with her because of the fear. And that's all, again, you got to look at the generation before Rosie. Why was she raised in a place or Ellen or any, any one of us raised in a place where they couldn't be themselves. And yet when Ellen came out, that brings up, what does that do? That brings up all of the reflection of everything that a lot of those women were going through the very famous women who are going through thinking that if they were discovered or seen, then, then they would have to go back to the hatred that they felt. And it was, it's a viable fear, but the way that I experienced it, was quite um, massive, you know, shut up. Don't, don't talk about you. Like, don't talk about who you are. 
you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that it hasn't um, had its, its shift in the consciousness, but there are still a lot of people who have a lot of fear around it. And that's one of the things I want to eradicate. Let's get rid of this fear. It's driving me bananas. And I've spent 20 years trying to fight it. And, and I will continue until, until the day we are not in a conscious, loving situation. Yeah. What? Well, I mean, yes, I, I agree with that in the sense that, you know, you live in L.A., I live in New York, we're in the entertainment business. But yes, there are times still, I mean, as a gay man, when I, like, I'm reminded this world is not where I always think it is, living in my bubble. Yes. Often. Well, and we do, I mean, each... Yeah, I mean that's that's part of what keeps us safe. I'm I'm uh, you know pretty committed to popping bubbles. I like popping bubbles. <laughs> this is my last question. I promise about this, but oh well, then how, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, I have a couple just a couple more questions about your wonderful career <laughs> and your podcast. But so listen, so you were canceled, so to speak, for ten years. And, you know, there's all these rumors then that came out, you know, Ellen is the queen of mean and a toxic work environment and all of that. And now since this has come out, her show has been canceled. You know, the ratings, her her two factors down, the likability. You were, like you said, effectively canceled, so to speak, for 10 years. And now we're in this world that we live in, you know, and there was all these rumors like Ellen's show it's the toxic work environment she's the queen of mean her likability factor has gone down her q score her show is over i mean do you think like all this backlash ellen deserves i don't this that's not really my place i mean the things that i wanted to say about ellen i said on the show and i and i've been very conscious about my support and 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 uh and love for, 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 listen, it is not fun to go through a difficult time when the world turns on you. <laughs> and um, I have been there, so I have a lot of compassion. <laughs> and uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, I think if we lived in a world that was grounded in love and support for each other, no one would have to deal with backlash or pain or sorrow because those are the things I believe get bottled up inside and then we lash out that's I don't believe the behavior is very difficult an equation to understand when we haven't dealt with our emotions and we haven't dealt with our fears and we haven't dealt with our anger and we haven't dealt with our hatred it comes up and out that's called discrimination it goes both ways we hurt people when we haven't healed ourselves so I believe that it is our responsibility to be in joy when we stand where we are. When I sit in my place of being with you, I'm glad I'm here. I want to receive you. That is a place that takes some maturity. Everybody doesn't get to stand there. I have compassion in the fact that she's not standing where she would like to stand. Fair enough. And that makes sense to me too. I wanted to ask you out of everything you've done in your career, Dancing yeah. with the Stars. Awful, fun, fun. <laughs> That was a great move, I thought. You loved it. I mean, not dance move. I didn't just give you a dance move, but that was a huge moment for me. I was very thrilled to do Dancing with the Stars. Heather and I are a team, a partnership. She's also my PR woman. So we knew going into that, it was the first live show during COVID. But also, I'm a dancer. I love to dance. 
I don't know how to do things right. And so I thought that would be a blast to be able to show. Also, we were and given an opportunity in this moment to reintroduce me to an audience that I had not been, that I had not been reaching and never had the opportunity to reach. So there was fun on very many levels. If I were, you know, my dad died of AIDS in 83. And if, if, if he were, you know, alive, I, I would say I, I brought out my inner showgirl. If it was up to him, I would have been in sequence and, and in fake TRS my whole life. Right. So I was finally dancing out this inner showgirl, which I thought was so much fun. I embrace characters so largely that I don't add things that aren't necessary. So I was given an opportunity to become a character that was a dancing showgirl living out loud and the opportunity to turn uh, a, 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 you know, an outfit, my last performance, which we knew very well would be my last performance. I turned it inside out for gay rights and human rights. And uh, we used uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, one of the costumes as our, um, as our inspiration. And I feel like I raised a flag for who I am and what I do and how much I love. And I could not have been a, a more fun experience. Forget all the friends that we made and, and the terrific opportunity to take some risks and show people what I'm about. What's harder, carrying a movie like Six Days, Seven Nights with Harrison Ford or Dancing with the Stars? Do you want to answer that question? Do you, well, I mean, you want to guess? I can guess, but I want to yeah. hear what you have to say. Dancing with the Stars by far, by far. Funnily enough, I, there was no audience. Okay, so we, we were shooting during COVID. I am a broad, I can do Broadway. I can move a theater around. I'm manipulating, I've only done two shows, but I'm pretty good at it. Taking an audience's energy and playing with it, that was always kind of my intrigue with Dancing with the Stars. I was like, I would love to do that. Come hell or high water, I'm a performer. So I am engaging with an audience, no matter how badly I would do something or trip up. I'm like, if I was on Broadway and somebody skipped into the next scene, I was like, fine, that's a challenge. I'll, I'll, I'll live up to it. Dancing with the Stars, very, very specific. I did not know it would be that specific. Hands down, that specificity was way harder to articulate and put into my body and, and be judged and have no audience than, than, you know, six days, seven nights, because you, you know, you stare at Harrison Ford and as long as you can speak and look cute, which by the way, he would have told me if I didn't, he was very specific about encouraging me and, and gifting me with the pleasure of him teaching me how to be a movie star, truly. It's too bad that we had to wait 20 years, but I hope I'm coming back. Um, but uh, yeah, Dancing with the Stars, hands down, more difficult. That's what I would have guessed. I mean, it doesn't seem easy. <laughs> it ain't. Are you a it fan ain't. of like reality TV? Like, do you watch any reality TV shows like The Housewives, any of that? Well, okay. Here's my big secret. Well, no, it's not a big secret. I've never known pop culture, which also became part of the intrigue of people meeting me because I was raised in a cult. I didn't have um, a, a pop culture foundation, okay? So, which shocked everybody when I came to LA because I knew nobody. They're like, we want you to meet Steven Spielberg. As I'm like, I'm not like, great, who's he? And they'd be like, ah, you with your not knowing anybody. But there was also part of that that allowed me to be in this world with an innocence 
that I believe was part of what captivated people about me because I didn't, I was never imitating anybody. I was never, I never even knew who they were talking about. So that shaped a lot of my acting life. And, and then it became kind of a habit of mine. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never wanted to be an imitator. But now that I'm doing Better Together with Ann and Heather, I'm like, pop culture. Oh my God. I'm watching Too Hot to Handle right now. And I'm talking to my 19 year old. I'm like, have you seen Too Hot to Handle? Wait, that shouldn't be what your mother tells you. But hold on. It's a really good <laughs> So Heather's gotten me. And we've had the joy of having some of the bachelorette. Oh my God. Bachelor, bachelorette on our show. And we consider them our friends. We love you guys. Um, the housewives. Some I, now I have flipped so in the opposite direction that last night I watched. Okay. Are you the one? Do you know this reality show? Honey, Hello, I, I know it, it all. I, I'm all gobsmacked. I'm like, are you the one? Are you kidding? And I mean, it's no secret. I don't think that probably better together as we're going to move into a reality realm. And, and uh, I mean, Heather just giggled at me today. I'm like, I watched reality TV, I think for six hours yesterday, bringing cheese and crackers up to my room, having my son bring me water. Like, okay, mom, you're studying for your reality show here. Drink, drink some water and have some cheese. But I'm now in love with it. And I think it's because it's the arena I'm in now. I like all, all sorts of ways to explore. <laughs> you just What's named, your favorite one? Tell me what to watch. I mean, well, first of all, you just named some of the... Are You the One is phenomenal. Too Hot to Handle is phenomenal. Come on! You should watch Love Island. You might as well throw that oh in. Oh, my God. No, my 12-year-old told me that yesterday when he came in. I, I am not kidding you. When my kid, do you know what he brought me? Like, when I was on, like, my fourth hour, he's like, here's some here's some candy, Mom. You need some people. You're, you're going to have to get through it. I mean, hilarious. But he's like, you're watching this? you, you got to watch Love Island. I'm like, who are you? This is Atlas, my 12-year-old. Now I know what 12-year-olds watch when they're watching reality TV and he sat down next to me and he's like, mom, I can't watch this with you. This isn't, you know, and I realized that's a weird thing with, you know, but I have to understand that that's what my, my two kids, that's what they're watching. You're seeing sex, you're seeing romance, you're seeing relationships, they're seeing fears, they're seeing, and that's how they're processing their information about life right now is through reality. Would you ever like, you know, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? Would you ever consider that if they came knocking? Oh my God, are you kidding? I'm a hundred percent. It's just that I don't live in Beverly Hills. I live in downtown East LA. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. We can keep this our little secret. Most of okay, them don't. Most of them don't live in Beverly Hills. They don't. They use the term very loosely on. Oh, Beverly so Hills. what about the fact that I'm not married? <laughs> that does not matter either. I could <laughs> be a housewife. But then, then who does Heather become? <laughs> Heather will become your story, your friend. My, she could be on the show. Yes. My, <laughs> okay, she, she can. Listen, if this is an answer to a question, yes, it's my answer. No. <laughs> Heather's like, please no. Well, you know, we can. Uh, we we've had we've had so much fun. The, we, it's, it, well, I just gave you a little secret. Like maybe, maybe better together is becoming reality. Maybe Anne needs to find a partner and, you know, we'll see what happens. Right over here, honey. Come on, baby.
this is this is my life. Um, is there anyone because you've worked with so many people, like you said, like Harrison Ford, Nicole Kidman? Would is there anyone like you haven't acted against that you're just like I would love to just. I don't care if the part is big or small. I would love to act opposite that person. Oh my God. I mean, to, to tell you the truth, there are so many, but I mean, I always like to, um, you know, Vicky and Marley were the humor of another world. And, you know, I started with wag the dog and like, come on, I'm, maybe I'm a little bit more intelligent than like an airhead, but I, I love comedy. I've always wanted to work with Owen Wilson um, I would like to take down some 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 of the uh, comedy players um, in the, you know the bridesmaids movies. I, I all these girls have you know uh, I've loved it. I, 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 I Saturday Night Live has always been something that you know I wish that if I were it had been nineteen to get on a soap that I would have gotten a challenge to do. Owen Wilson is a good one. Owen Wilson is uh, fine. Right? Yeah, uh, he's funny. He has a charm that I like. I don't know. He might be my, you know, I don't know. It'd be fun to work with him. What about if they I were going to... I mean, are you kidding? My art is about collaboration. I did an audition the other day. I'll tell you a story. I did an audition the other day. And um, some people think it's funny that I audition, but I do. I work very hard at my auditions. I am, um, you know, when I'm trying to go and shoot for something else, I, I work hard at it. And my son, okay, Homer, my 19-year-old, played my off-camera. And, and, and Heather's talking, doing it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is what people do. But I feel so lucky because I get to interact. But when I asked him to be my off-camera, and it was for a big chunk of scenes, uh, he needed to be funny. And what I said to him was, your timing, I'm as good as you. I'm really as good as you. I can prep all that I want, but I'm as good as you. That interaction to me is the fun of acting, whether I'm in a dramatic scene or not. I, I've been blessed to work with a lot of incredible, extraordinary people. But when you're opposite Vince Vaughn and you're playing and you get to look at him and you get to do your scenes, it's like, it's the money. You're like, whoa, wow. I get to, you know, I get to play. I get to play. We're only so like, I mean, bring it. Tom Cruise. Here's another one. I've always wanted to, always wanted to play with. I was given, I did a screen test with uh, him for, and it was showing me the money what that movie was. Cameron Crowe. Cameron McGuire. Yes. And I screen tested, but I didn't um, quite fulfill the, understanding this is a, who cares if the movie was done forever ago i was I like care. i don't know who she is because he's not really in love with her so i don't understand this movie and i say to cameron Crowe, and i and my agents call me after like are you out of your mind <laughs> did you just say that this movie doesn't make any sense and i said yeah they're like you didn't get the movie and i'm like well but you can't do a love story where the guy isn't really in love with the girl. So she's sacrificing and he's sacrificing. And that's not called love. I didn't get the movie. Well, I want back on terms with Tom Cruise. I, that I want. So wait, because you say you think no one wants to hear this. I want to hear this. So you 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 literally <laughs> read for like the lead part opposite Tom with Cruise. Tom. And yes. And I was like, it doesn't make any sense. Now, what's funny about 
you, you say things. I'm a person who likes to make sense. I study logic. I mean, really, if I were to state what I study, I studied the logic of love. How do we treat people? Does it make sense? What am I listening to? Does it make sense? If it doesn't make sense, I have the power to ask the question and learn. Do we empower ourselves enough to make sense out of things that we listen to? Well, that movie didn't make sense. He didn't really love her. And she wished that he loved her. Bye. No, that doesn't make sense. Now I've learned to couch my feelings a little bit more. I've, I've learned to tame myself a little bit more, but that was when I was a wild child. Did you tell Tom Cruise it didn't make sense or just Cameron Crowe? Cameron Crowe. And then I never saw Tom Cruise again. So I want to see him again. <laughs> well, I don't know if you know, but the movie went on and did just did something pretty good. Dude, I uh, believe me, I know. Believe me, I know exactly what happened to that movie. Yeah. Um, I, you know, these are mistakes that I've made in my life. It's, it's uh, things that I'm, you know, willing to admit <laughs> in my 12 step program of admitting stupid things I've done. Do Don't you tell Cameron Crowe that this movie doesn't make sense. I'm sure your agent was really happy with that too. Oh my God. The amount of calls they got. Did you just, you know, there, there were a few of those stories until I learned to shut my mouth a little bit. Was the- was there ever anything else that like you were really heavily in the mix for that now we're like, oh, Julia Roberts, Pretty Woman. Like, were you ever heavily in the mix for something that we are like, oh, wow. Well, I know I was heavily in the mix for six days, seven nights. And after that, I got blacklisted. So, I mean, it was pretty amazing. When I got the script for six days, seven nights, I read it and I called my agent. And I, you know, I can play this part with my eyes closed. And he's like, oh, I said, who's the dude? Harrison Ford. I was like, oh, hi, spit take. No, I'm not going to get this one. What are you even talking about? And he said, well, uh, I said, I'm not going to. He said, well, you're meeting with him on Tuesday. I was like, what? That Tuesday morning is this when I'm at Harrison Ford is the same night Ellen came out on her very famous puppy episode. That's how close it was to me meeting Ellen and me getting six days, seven nights. And if it hadn't been in the same week, I would have been, I would have been blacklisted and never gotten the movie. That's why I give Harrison so much credit for my career, for my ability to even have a voice now. Cause he said, frankly, you know, my dear, I don't give a shit who you're fucking. We've got a romantic comedy to make. And those intersections of that week changed my life forever. And that's what I, you know, and I live in the consequences and also the blessings of that choice. Do you run into Harrison and Ford these days and just say, thank you? <laughs> Harrison Ford and I have a very beautiful relationship. Um, the last time I ran into him, actually, he would be so embarrassed if I told him this. We were at a party. I knew he, he and Calista were there. And I was like, oh, great. I haven't seen him in so long. And um, so I, I said to the person throwing the party, please just let me go, go over and say hi. And we went over to the table and Harrison looked up and he goes, oh, hi, it's very nice to meet you. And I said, hey, how you doing? He's very nice to meet you. And he kind of like strangely shook my hand. And I say, hi, Calista, because I was on Alan McBeal too. I'm like, hi, Calista. Anyway, and Harrison was so weird. I said, anyway, have a beautiful night. And I just wanted to say hi. I went around, it was in this gorgeous home in Beverly Hills. So I, I go around the corner and I'm like, wow, that was really weird. Like I, I thought Harrison loved me. Like, I don't understand what just happened. Right. And also Calista was kind of my friend. I mean, I loved her on Ellen Beal and, you know, so I'm having this like insecurity breakdown, but uh, you know, not, it's not horrible, you know, <laughs> fine. <laughs> but I am in the kitchen and Kelsey Grammer happened to be there. So I'm like, Kelsey, this is just fucked up because Kelsey and I like another person I want to work with, talk about comedian. I love Kelsey. 
And I go, fuck, man, the weirdest thing just happened to me. And you're noticing why I need more champagne. I just walked up to Harrison and said, hi. And, and I get a tap on the shoulder and it's the, it's the host of the party. And, and he whispers in my ear and I turn away from Kelsey. I'm like, yeah. He said, um, Harrison would like to see you. And I said, oh, because I had just shared this with Kelsey. I'm pretty much an open book, obviously. I go back and say hi to Harrison. And Harrison goes, I didn't even, how do you even look the way you look? He's like, I haven't seen you in all this time. I couldn't even put your face with a woman who had, now I'm, I'm flattering myself by saying this, but he's like, I couldn't recognize you because you don't even look like a woman. You haven't aged and I watch who are you. The best compliment of my life. Harrison Ford didn't recognize me because I look too good. <laughs> and Callista didn't either from Allenville. And Callista didn't either. And then I, you know, and then it was sweet. I, I, I you know, he, he met Callista the night that I was giving him the tribute for oh, not me, but the you know film community was giving him the you know lifetime achievement award, and there were many of us, including Carrie Fisher at that time. Oh my God, God bless you, I love you. Um, who were Sharon Stone? We you know we were all giving um, uh, him the the love he deserves, and um, that was the night he tripped over Callista and she fell and he fell in love. Wow. If they were going to make you, you have such an interesting story. You are so open and honest and just, that's why I love you. If they were going to make a movie about your life, you know, and they were going to cast, you know, a young Anne Heche, like say, you know, at the beginning of your career, any, any actress come to mind? Miley Cyrus or Kristen Bell. I've already thought about it. Miley, Miley Cyrus or Kristen Bell. And I, I do want to do my movie. I do want to, my next book is coming out and it's called Call Me Sane. It's the flip side. It's the practice of how to get over abuse and how to start the process of living in love with yourself that engages with others and living in love and the kindness when you can bring yourself to others in a full capacity. But when I think about those stories and the journey that I've gone through and you think of the rock stars who, for me, and I, of course, Miley is a rock star, who can who um, can pull off the humor that I have? I think those two girls. I did a movie with Kristen Bell. God bless her. I love her so much. Um, I it's it, the two of them share a, um, a personality uh, ability to to face the world the way that uh, I would want. Um, I, I I feel like I have and I would want portrayed. You know, you say you're not up on pop culture, but Miley Cyrus and those are two. That's. I well, could really I'm learning why why Miley I mean I, I'm I'm here for it but why Miley I think Miley is I, I mean she first of all the fact that she did Hannah Montana now I started as a young actor I started at 12 supporting my family but it was in dinner theater in Swain New Jersey people didn't know anything about it but making that 100 bucks a night and going out on stage and doing that was uh with the training forget it the ability for her to be able to pull off that I played twins. I've seen her Hannah Montana to be able to do that, to be able to express that, to be able to be as bold as she's been going from Disney into, you know, wrecking ball her, the way she moves, the way she sings, her voice, her, her compassion. She fucking loves everybody. She, her ability to get out on stage and sing a cappella. That would be the way that I would see a pure, a pure artist 
engaging with the world with the best time they could ever possibly have. That's why Miley, and I think she's a fucking great actress. Uh, Kristen Bell gave me my second Emmy nomination. She and I played um, uh, mother and daughter in a Lifetime movie years ago. And uh, Kristen's, um, again, felt like a reflection to me, a, a dedicated goal. Her ability to tell story, do it through joy, do it with her personality, charm, gorgeous timing and humor. Um, I see uh, I see myself a lot in her. So um, and uh, well, I don't think it was any mistake that I played her mom. And I want her to play me. I love those two answers and I can see them. I could actually see them. Right. Yes. And I could play their mom. I could play my mother. Ooh, bitch. That would get some ratings. I was going to say, maybe that's a third book. (laughs) Speaking about your book, and then we could wrap up, like, call me crazy, you know, and like the world, especially during COVID is so open and honest. Also, I feel these days about mental health, maybe not where we should be, but we're certainly further than we were you know, you were somebody. Well, Harriet had a lot to do with that. And Oprah's had a lot to do with that. I mean, there have been a real, they didn't ask me to be a part of that documentary. Again, I'm like, hello, I'm like the number one person that talks about mental health. Mental health is the things, I think Harry describes it as the things that you were given. I feel the same way. Um, there is a threshold for understanding what happens to us when we disconnect because we're being treated badly. Whatever entity you become out of that to save yourself, to help yourself, to intrigue yourself. Mine may have been more specific than others, but why I told my story is to say whatever your whatever your cushion is that you have given yourself, when somebody strips you of your identity because of any kind of abuse, I mean, anything going in that feels bad and not good. And those are layers. We all have different opportunities in there. There are different ways we've all been raised but depending on this goes back to two cups in and one cup out depending on how severe that input was is how severe your intelligence of your identity has to be shaped because you're trying to figure out the sanity of what you are being told you're insane about so so that is a that's why i told my story as truthfully as i did our mental health is part of that equation is how we survive the things that go in feeling bad. And that is redefinition of our identity so that we can survive it. And the more severe it gets, the survivors get further and further away as they try to train themselves to understand and identify for themselves. And understanding with others who don't have compassion and those who understand. We identify with what we can in order to survive our stripping of identity. They're equal. One goes in one way. and one goes, So what we watch in mental health is that reflection. Wow, that person, that person must have gone through a lot because they're acting this way. That means that there's a balance point to what got taken from them that they're feeling they need to identify. My goal is to get those things looking at each other in an equal opportunity to understand the mental health to understand and look at, which takes responsibility, again, from the generation that raised those children, me or whatever it was, and start to balance out the understanding of their new identification in order to survive. So 
We've got a lot of work to do, which is what I've been spending my last 20 years on to go, wow, you tell your story. That's how I identify you. How do we embrace that? That's what call me crazy is call me sane is the antidote. We go, okay, how can I get into a system of reclaiming my identity, helping others to find theirs and giving us some steps and some processes and some practices that could help us re-identify with ourselves more quickly, with a little less pain and with support around you that can answer some questions. And that's who I am. I love it. I can't wait for the new book. A final question. What do you think is the biggest misconception about Anne Hage? Um, I don't know. I would have to, well, I would have to look at the, the biggest misconception is that I'm crazy. <laughs> I'm the sanest person you got. If people listen to your podcast and they don't fit, yes, everything you say on your show makes sense, complete sense. And everything you've said here makes oh, complete that's sense. That's my journey. That's my goal. My goal is to make sense out of this love, turn it into a science and make sure that everybody can feel it and experience it and give it to others because that really is our joy and pleasure. I completely appreciate you taking your time, Anne. From hey, really, you too. Thank you. Where can everyone find you and where can everyone find your podcast? Well, you know, you can go to annehage.com. You can go better together with Ann and Heather. You can listen to us on Spotify or any place else you listen to your podcast. Certainly go to my Instagram and see some fun pictures and um, and listen to you and enjoy life and uh, spread the word. We are all living in loving kindness. Or as Heather says, just try not being a dick. That is what she says. Thank you to Heather too. And thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. You too. See you later. Fantastic. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.